Hello and welcome to Stick Around, a suicide discussion. If you or someone you love struggle with mental illness, this is the place to be. I'm Kel Bjorn, and I'm passionate about helping others discover ways to find value in their lives. You've got friends, you've got family, you've got plenty of people who want you to stick around. So let's open up and see if we can make a difference. All right. Hello, everyone. Kel Bjorn again here ready this week for this stick around episode. Today, I'll be speaking with Cabri Lehrman Schmid. Cabri is an accomplished controller of building strategy and an attentive coordinator of construction teams. She's a superintendent with a 13 year career portfolio of high risk projects. She's put more than $1.5 billion of work, that's billion with a B, in place in the aviation and higher education market sectors across the nation. Recognized as one of Construction Business Owners 2019 Outstanding Women in Construction and the recipient of Washington Women in Trades 2019 Workplace Leader Award. She is a champion for careers in construction management and the skilled trades as a conscious role model for the next generation of female superintendents. She boldly reinforces the rising emphasis on psychological safety, advancing the industry through initiatives that examine bias and challenge the stigma of suicide in construction. She is the co-chair of Washington State Focus Construction Suicide Prevention Task Force. That's kind of a mouthful, yeah, but I got is. it out the door. So that's in participation with University of Washington's Forefront Suicide Prevention Program and a champion of the AGC of Washington's Culture of Care Initiative. Wow. Gabriel, you're involved in so much. It's hard to, I'm like losing my breath with all that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll edit that to be a little shorter next time. That was, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> no, well, it's good. It's good to see what you're involved with and, and why it's so obvious that I want to talk to you today. Um, so welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I know that you work in the Seattle area. Um, is that the area that you grew up in? No, I'm actually from Long Island, New York. And oh, wow. I, yeah, I started with my current company, Hensel Phelps, in the Washington, D.C. area and have moved around the country following projects with them ever since. So I've lived in D.C., Virginia, North Carolina, a few places in the Bay Area, and now Seattle for the past five years. I love wow. it up here. So what's your favorite area? Oh, definitely up here. It's beautiful. The access to the outdoors is unmatched. And, you know, I don't like hot weather very much. So oh, yeah. perfect. Yeah, it's it's really mild throughout the year. If you can deal with the wetness and the rain, at least you got yep. that green that follows it, you know? It's a great place to be. So what other kind of hobbies do you have, other interests besides tearing it up in the construction industry? Um, summer is when me and my family go camping. And I have a seven-year-old and a four-and-a-half-year-old boy, and we're actually camping out at Rainier this past weekend. We have oh, our canoe awesome. that we bring, and it's it, I just look forward to it so much. Yeah, that's awesome. We're a great place. We're living in Utah now, and man, the sun, we've got over 100 degrees this week, and I don't know that I like that too much. Uh, I'm kind of craving those Seattle summers right now. <laughs> come on out. It's a balmy. Actually, it was a little hot today at like 78. Oh, it sounds great. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, it sounds like just from reading the intro, last year was a pretty big year for you as far as some awards and some recognition for the work that you do. Uh, can you explain a little bit more about kind of how you got involved and how you were selected for those? Sure. Um, I have been expanding my reach into various initiatives within the industry since I was promoted three years ago as a project superintendent. So as a lead superintendent, um, uh, a lead superintendent with my company with somebody uh, who is responsible for, let's say, 50 million plus size projects. So um, a significant promotion, one that has not been afforded to many women in the industry, um, and my company is getting better at themselves. So when I was promoted, I suddenly had uh, a real desire overcome me with impacting the industry. And what I realized because of the rarity of a, a female superintendent at this level was that people wanted to listen to what I had to say because they somehow felt that it was special. Um, mm. Not claiming that I am, but I have recognized that I have an opportunity to make change because of the voice I'm afforded um, by the privilege of my position. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, what a great, almost responsibility, I guess, like you yeah. say, I mean, but really kind of running with it and being a good example. I love how you point out kind of the future, those that are looking into the industry and trying to break in as well and saying, hey, this, this can be done. You know, it doesn't have to be an all men industry as far as leadership goes, like it's kind of no. assumed, I guess. No, and I find that people, um, because of, you know, the lesser amount of women within the industry, our voices are still heard differently. And of course, there are positives and negatives to that. But the positive thing is that I don't fall, um, I don't fall subject to the stigmas of the industry necessarily. Um, that we'll talk about, I guess, with suicide prevention specifically. I don't necessarily have an innate sense like I need to have a, you know, good old boy. Like as a, a female in the industry, I don't necessarily fall under some some of the stereotypes, which allows me to have a different perspective and a different voice. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, what a great opportunity. So, how long did you know? I guess before you got into construction, was that something you always wanted to do? No. Um, in fact, construction was never on the radar of what um, I was told the opportunities were. My parents were very amazing at telling me that I could do anything I wanted and the bar was set fairly high. And unfortunately, that meant that none of us really knew the opportunities, the great opportunities that were available in construction. So when I was studying engineering in college and hmm. had one of my first internships at the Pentagon renovation project. No way. Um, I just fell in love with the, the pace and the hard work and the product that comes from the amount of effort put in and the camaraderie and everything. I just loved it. So yeah. um, I just kept going in that direction. Well, there's gotta be something very satisfying of seeing something tangible completed, you know, Absolutely. I mean, so many other industries right now, like in tech or whatever it is, it's kind of, there's a lot of unknowns and what are we, what are we producing? And it's hard to really put a finger on it. So that's got to be. And it cool. becomes um, obsolete so quickly. I mean, my, my, my airports that I've built are still airports. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> I got to turn into a McDonald's anytime soon. No, no. Yeah, that's great. Well, it seems like kind of the conversation we had before um, that being involved in something like suicide prevention, usually there's something that kind of leads us there, whether it's a family member or a friend that has experienced 
whether it's thoughts or actions there, but something kind of triggers that passion in a lot of people that I've talked to. So do you mind diving into that, at least for you and why you've wanted to be involved in suicide prevention? Sure. Um, I think there was definitely an evolution of my growth into this topic and the role that I'm in, in now working with the Washington Construction Suicide Prevention Task Force. Um, also a mouthful. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that once I started getting involved in local organizations, I started realizing that what I was passionate about was how to bring information to organizations that focused on um, underserved groups. And that led me to assessing and better understanding bias within the industry. Mm. And coupled with even my own company's initiative towards leadership training and teaching soft skills, I realized that mental health is not adequately addressed within the industry. And that and every conversation from our 24 seven response to physical safety, making sure the site is physically safe to making sure that we have production numbers, like as a superintendent that we're producing, so much of it is influenced by how psychologically safe people feel on the job site. And what became my involvement in multiple different arenas really came together under the concept of psychological safety. And when I learned of the statistics of suicide in construction and how it's the industry with the second highest rate in the United States and how, for example, in Washington, um, 125 construction workers died by suicide in 2018 versus the six that died because of on-the-job injury. Yeah, um, that's crazy. It's, it, it was so um, surprising. But as I started talking to people and having conversations, I realized that everybody really knew somebody. And for me personally, I do have a history of anxiety and depression. And I mm. realized that there weren't mechanisms in place to talk about what people needed freely. And there still are not mechanisms in place to help our craft address mental health issues. And so um, I'm lucky to have found a place with this task force where we are, we are currently working on creating a toolkit to help the industry address those stigmas and the lack of support. Ah, oh, that's just so important. And I love your emphasis on psychological safety. I keep bringing that up in a lot of these episodes because what I do for work is I, I full-time is I work with a software company and my role has a lot to do with the team and moving the team forward and psychological safety. So I meet with everybody one-on-one -on, -one on a regular basis just to kind of see how they're doing. Um, you know, and if it's been rough for people, then, you know, we try to create that safe place like you're talking about on our teams that, you know, everybody goes through it. You get to get in the grind of work and, you know, sometimes you're down and you might be afraid to bring that up at work because there might be some assumptions on, are you able to produce if you're feeling like this? And it's a really dangerous thing to hold inside if we're not given, like you said, those mechanisms to be able to open up and, and talk to people about it. And I found that, and maybe you have too, during this time of COVID, that people are more open to talking about mental health issues because there's just an outpouring of understanding or shared experience in terms of that there's a struggle. Everybody's yeah. having a different struggle, but there is a struggle going on. And I feel there has been more opportunity to address issues like how can we support mental health? How can we make sure that 
you know, our teammates are supported during this time. Yeah. Um, so it's a good time to be talking about it. I was just going to ask you about that. Like what has the impact of the coronavirus had? I know just industry wide, depending, especially in Washington, right off the bat, it was, you know, if you are, what is the word I'm looking for? Essential. Exactly. If your company's essential, then you can keep working under these circumstances. And a lot of construction companies were considered essential, which is great. So hopefully you guys weren't facing layoffs and things, but did you see some of that happening anyway? Sure. We, uh, we have been working through uh, the entirety of the different regulations around the coronavirus. So we have not stopped working, being that we are an essential project at the airport here. Yeah. Um, however, um, we can see examples throughout the region and throughout the country of extensive layoffs. It has hit small businesses very hard, small construction businesses. The residential sector is being hit. And it's, it's hard because many organizations are trying to create services to help smaller contractors and to help our labor force Um, be safe and to understand the regulations and to put systems in place. So there's been a scrambling to make sure that the the industry is shored up, um, which which has been a challenge, but the work that we're doing in mental health is part of that. It's having discussions and making sure people are supporting um, with the resources we currently have at hand in the region and as an industry. So yes, we've seen an impact from COVID, but in terms of the impact of mental health. It's been many more conversations. It's been Mm. diving deeper into people's personal lives um, because you have to ask questions for tracing. Um, And it's been even kind of curbing the work hard and don't ever stop mentality because if you're sick, now you're home. Like there's no like you're sick and you're dying on the job site sick. That's not proud anymore. (laughs) You know, people are like, go away. And that's been a big change. Yeah, that is really fascinating. I mean, and really what I'm looking at from my standpoint at work is, you know, we're able to work, but everyone works from home. And so that kind of brings up its own difficulties because there's people that are naturally more extroverted that are really struggling because they're used to kind of being at the office and being around people and that's energizing. But how do we address that situation when we're not able to? It also kind of comes to mind, you know, in the construction industry, maybe in particular, I would just think of someone that might lose a job or is furloughed. Um, it's such a unique skill set, I guess, or it's hard to maybe jump from that industry to another industry, unless, you know, your project management, a lot of times you can turn that into project management, maybe in another industry. Um, but I would imagine, you know, if you're one company is struggling and you lose your job, maybe you can go look for another construction, but it's industry wide. It's worldwide that we have this, dilemma, I would imagine that the stress from that has just got to be really overwhelming for a lot of people. Yes. I think that um, the loss of jobs um, was a real concern. I think that having the extra checks um, also had implications for the industry where people didn't want to come to work, especially at the beginning where unemployment was unavailable to those who were fearful of getting sick. Uh, which has since changed. Um, So there's actually been a a loss in available skilled labor in construction, at least in Seattle, for Mm. those who have opted to stay home um, to protect themselves and their families. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. 
Well, can you explain, I guess, a little bit more about the task force in particular? Um, so how do you spread that umbrella, I guess, of communication? Is it, you know, do you go to, from company to company or people that are in between work? Like how do they access your information or is this, is this training reaching them as well? Sure. So the task force started a little over a year and a half ago. So it's relatively new and there have since been other pop-ups in like Portland. Um, and it has been a gathering of people across the industry who are passionate about the topic to start. So these are people who are leading the charge within their own companies. These are industry organizers like union organizations um, or those who provide safety or health insurance to the construction industry. We've seen people in those arenas participate as well. Um, and it started as word of mouth and then by the function of those organizations being involved, sharing the information we produce to other companies within the industry. So right now there is not a, um, a real strict way that people would or would not get involved. It's anybody who's interested is welcome to, and we've been having quarterly meetings with Forefront. Now Forefront is UW's funded uh, suicide prevention program. They provide um, funding for training programs and work with legislative uh, initiatives throughout the state to get training to different industries. So they work a lot with teachers unions and with schools and with uh, dental hygienists or with oh, wow. um, you know, school bus drivers. They, they have different programs and this was their first time looking at construction. And so by us getting together and pooling resources, we've started with taking some um, of the training methodologies that they have and augmenting it to speak to construction. And so we're teaching them and they're helping us by providing uh, more tangible deliverables that we can form to make a toolkit for the industry. Yeah, that's awesome. Sounds like a lot of work. I mean, the fact that it's only a year old, you know, it's very in the beginning stages of experimentation and collaboration and, you know, hopefully with that communication with UW and, the research they've done, you guys are able to come up with something that's very effective. I love the name task force, by the way. I just, <laughs> I think like I, like I said to you before, it's just it sounds like a group that's just out to take action and to really tackle this thing. And uh, I just really love that. I love that the, just the attitude of taking the bull by the horns kind of, like you said, it's, it's not, one company, it's not one group in particular, it's kind of spread out, people all over the place that want to. And it seems like the more you open up about that, more people just kind of jump on board, like, hey, this is a good thing, it needs needs the effort, so let's go take care of it. And we're taking an approach where we're trying initially to get awareness tools and prevention tools in the hands of those managing the field. So there are lots of trainings available more at a management level and organizational management level that talk to um, maybe how to build better teams or how to support your teams addressing psychological safety. But there haven't been many tools geared towards the foreman or the superintendent in the field and implementing something, making something that's really immediately actionable to bring that information to the job site and to the crews. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to create toolkits that not only include quick reference information that can go up the food chain in organizations who want to decide, hey, you're right, this is a topic worth spending our time and money on, but also um, there's 
a method called toolbox talks where weekly in construction or daily in construction, you're addressing a different safety topic. So that is an immediately accessible system and process that's very common in the industry that we can tap into to give quick information to a foreman in their hands. And Monday morning, they talk about suicide prevention in oh. a toolbox talk. And that automatically challenges the stigma. As soon as you're putting words out there like suicide prevention or mental health, you're chipping away at a, at a problem that runs deep, which is yeah. the problem of being willing to address um, mental health. Wow. I just, I wonder, you know, I picture a foreman having that and however many people are in that group, there's probably at least a couple people that would kind of think twice about that. Like, oh, hey, like I, I've had those thoughts or, you know, I know someone that has those thoughts and can we talk about that? You know, that is, that's a really fascinating idea. It's something that's already in place. You kind of just piggyback off of it and spread it. Yeah. So last year um, on an annual basis, there's something called safety week and it's a nationwide recognition that is um, kind of utilized across the industry to focus on different hot safety topics um, and on my project, we decided to do small group discussions that brought some of the statistics and the prevention resources to the table. And we broke up our job site of about 250 people at the time into crew-based discussions. And what ended up happening was Foreman would stand up like after I was talking and share personal stories. It was wow. unbelievable how it really opened doors for more conversation. People That's really awesome. had good feedback. Yeah. It's all about just starting. I feel like you start the conversation and then people come out of the woodwork. I mean, I kind of just think of an example that where I work, they, they sent out an email one day that there was going to be a suicide training in the building, not just the company I work for, but the whole building and anyone was invited. Um, and it was more geared toward people who had lost someone to suicide and how you cope and how you can help others that are going through that. And I just was interested, this is before I lost my friend to suicide. And I just kind of was like, oh, that sounds interesting. So I went to it and there was probably six people out of the whole building. It's not a huge building, but big enough to where more than six people should be showing up. And that really made me feel kind of bummed out that this is such a, at least to me, because of my history of depression, I felt like nobody's paying attention to this and they probably should be. So, I mean, the work that you're doing, I think is, it's just amazing because it's one industry that obviously has been, I guess, known to have an issue there, but the more we look at it, more research it. I mean, there's so many other industries that need to be having this conversation as well. What a blueprint that you guys are creating for it. It's great. Yeah, we're, uh, we're trying to get that information out there because it's, it's surprising that many people don't know uh, how badly the industry is impacted by this issue and they don't know how to start talking about it or what to do yeah. um, about it. What's our role as organizations, as companies within the industry to take on this topic. And there's a little bit of controversy about that, which I always think is, is pretty fun to, to <laughs> approach, you know, yeah. when somebody questions, why would you share these statistics? We're having a, a labor force problem. We can't get enough people. Why would you want to turn people away with this information? I'm like, well, I think there's a problem that this, these statistics exist and that if we want to make realistic future growth for careers in construction, we need to start looking at more 
than what we're looking at now. More than just physical safety for the sake of the bottom line and people's physical health, but there's another component we're missing. And I would bargain that the payoffs would be greater respect and support and involvement and recruitment and retention in the industry. Yeah. I mean, think about if you're looking to hop on board with a company and then later you find out the numbers versus you see what the industry is doing about the problem. Like, hey, here's what history has shown us and here's the steps we're taking to improve on that. I'd be really impressed by that, you know, as someone that's looking into an industry or a career move that uh, I think you're right. In the end, decades from now, the payoff is going to be way better than if we just sweep it under the rug. Well, I, I recently was talking with another group um, that's involved in construction industry, um, the Sturgeons, like we were talking about before we started the interview. And they were talking about, like you mentioned, foremans in particular, because a lot of times, you know, they might have a good work ethic and kind of lead up into that. And then, hey, you're going to be a foreman. And there hasn't been a whole lot of training. And that might be a group in particular that sees a lot of stress overnight with the responsibility they take on. Have you seen that as well with that particular job title or has there been other groups within the industry that you notice might be more at risk? I think that uh, their statement about foremen sometimes being um, awarded the title of foreman is typically based on production, not necessarily on the management of people. And just because you're good at putting work in place does not mean that you're ready or trained to handle additional stressors related to being a manager of putting that work in place. So I think that uh, that's a valid statement that equates to one of the risk factors for suicide of the industry, though I'm not sure we have any particular statistics that point to foremen having any more of a risk. Um, Another one of the risk factors that makes me think about a different population is the impact of shift work Mm. um, and how the impact of lack of sleep and being isolated from others and isolated from your family, how shift workers and working off shift hours could have a greater impact um, as shift work and seasonal work and family isolation are additional risk factors for the industry. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, right off the bat, when you say seasonal work, that sounds really stressful to me (laughs) in particular, depending on the time of year. I mean, I would assume that wintertime is kind of when that slows down because there's less work that you can actually take care of. Yeah, road work um, would see a slowdown during the winter, especially up in Pacific Northwest, uh, roofing. Um, there would be a, a host of uh, different industries that would be more seasonal work, like those working in refineries maybe um, might see some of that as well. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I think it's really important, like you said, to look at all those different factors rather than just stress because of, you know, a higher workload. There's other factors involved and to really take a look at all those angles and figure out how we can improve on those. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we're an industry with the highest opioid use. Um, chronic pain is a big issue that oh, you know, yeah. drives a lot of people to injury, you know, later on in their careers. Um, we have a, a natural acceptance of use of toxic substances like alcohol. Yeah. Um, you know, proud to go to the bar and, you know, close the bar with, with, your, with your family of, of your crew. Um, camaraderie and pride, though, are excellent uh, factors yeah. of the industry. And then just... 
you know, looking at how our accessibility to potentially to lethal means is greater, whether that's high places or just a, a deep rooted gun culture within mm. the industry. So different risk factors um, and they can all contribute to why suicide is a, a higher risk for construction. Yeah. Well, I'm curious about your relationship with the company you work for now um, and you know, the amount of effort you're putting in on the side of your responsibilities you have already. Um, how has that been viewed, I guess, by your coworkers and maybe upper management on putting an emphasis on this task force and other things that you're involved in? Um, there's been a great acceptance of it. Uh, in fact, my work in the realms of suicide prevention, speaking towards it in a couple different venues, as well as the culture of care initiative, which focuses on creating respectful workplaces. So really mm. more like mental health addressing bias um, and how we speak to people and treat people on our job sites. Yeah. Um, by, by approaching those two topics, we are now internally developing a mental health rollout as part of our safety program. Concurrent with how we are addressing, you know, all of the, the recent news that's focusing on racism, you know, yeah. how can we address both bias and mental health to really make our projects better places to be, more psychologically safe, more successful, um, and to create a, a more robust team you know, with higher retention and better engagement. So it's seen as a newer venue towards speaking about the next step and how we're going to create a better company. Hmm. So it's been very well received. That's awesome. I mean, we talked early on about how you got in construction and it's tangible. You build something and the satisfaction from that. I would imagine that working on something like this and seeing what's happening has got to have a similar effect. Maybe it's not tangible that you build something, but you're building something that might, in some people's eyes, be more important than those buildings yes. that you're putting up, but really trying to retain lives and retain teams. And that's going to go a long way. It is between how it's changing, um, how we're how we're discussing different topics in my company, Hensel Phelps, as well as even at the Port of Seattle. I mean, they embraced the awareness campaign for suicide prevention, and they they created a whole banner initiative that has some QR codes that's hanging on my job site right now. Oh, awesome! I mean, it's it's pretty cool how once you start talking, people are really interested in how they can be a part of saving lives. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So many people ready to talk and to help. We just got to start the conversation. Yes. So in the end here, what would you say is one piece of advice that you have for people in your industry in particular that might be struggling in their own mental health? I think that the industry of construction boasts a very strong family mentality and that we need to start talking to the people we have at our disposal and expecting a little bit more out of each other when it comes to helping to support our lives inside and outside of work. Because even when you talk about mental health and the role of the construction organization, people tend to default to that this is an outside of work problem. Well, we work, I mean, I work mm. 60 to 70 hours a week. Like it is not an outside of work problem. It is a life problem. We are yeah. complete people. Um, and we need to be able to start creating relationships with those around us that support each other as people. And I mean, there's a lot of value in that as 
an organization, right? You can you can come up with all sorts of slides about, you know, the benefits of uh, productivity versus you know a typically depressed person and the statistics about how much they lose in efficiency and in days at work. I mean, sure, yeah, there's bottom absolutely. line discussions, but I enjoy my job much more when I get along with my crews and we put good work in place and we feel that overwhelming sense of pride together. So um, it is an industry built on like a family mentality and on pride. And what I'm hoping to see is that further discussion about mental health and suicide prevention will show people how much we are here to support each other hmm. um, and that we'll start creating systems that can support people financially and through the processes we already have to keep people safe and keep people employed um, so that this industry really has a lot of longevity and appeal for future generations. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, what a great work to be, to be had. And for those listening to this, I can see Cabri right now. She's in the office still. She's got the vest on reflectors. You could tell it's a construction scene. She's taken the time out of her day, um, but probably still plenty to do. There's a lot of work to be done. So I really appreciate the time you're taking out to really talk about this important topic. And uh, hopefully, you know, from years to come, we'll be able to just look back and, and see the change that's occurring based on the task force and other things that you guys are doing. Um, before we go, I do like to ask if you have some kind of a reference that you like to recommend, whether it's a book or another podcast or something like that, that you like to share. Sure. I think that the work AGC of Washington, so Associated General Contractors of Washington has put into place with their culture of care initiative. So that would be like, Googling AGC of Washington Culture of Care, which mm -hmm. has since been adopted by AGC National. Um, they've created a lot of readily available information um, that speaks to creating a better and more psychologically safe work site. Um, hand in hand with the apprenticeship program, ANEW, A-N-E-W, which has worked with the Port of Seattle and local transportation giants to create the program Rise Up, Hmm. And they have their resources available for free online as well. And they address topics of how bias impacts mental health and creating a more psychologically safe work site, all geared specifically for construction. So awesome. check them out. Yeah, right on. You hear that, everybody. I'll go ahead and put some links to those resources in the show notes for the episode. So people can find that fairly easily. And again, thanks for your time. Great conversation. I love what you're doing. And I got to just end with saying go Hawks or something because I love Seattle. <laughs> it's go Kraken. I know. Yeah. Release the Kraken. Well, that's what <laughs> I said the with Kraken. the Sturgeons. I had to mix it up a little bit. Oh, okay. I'd like to say go Sonics. They're not around. <laughs> I know. Hopefully they'll be back someday. <laughs> My heart's still broken. But. No. You know what it needs to be? Go Seawolves. Two-time reigning Major League Rugby champions of the United States. Are they really? Yeah, we have an MLR like in the United States for the last two years and Seattle Seawolves have been champions both times. I feel terrible. I did not even know that. They're amazing. Go watch of course, the last final. The Seattle Storm, <laughs> they're always awesome. I mean, there's yeah. some awesome teams up there for sure. Yeah, I'll go rugby over football any day. So Seawolves, go Seawolves. Awesome. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Just spread <laughs> some fans. All right. Thanks, Gabri. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, thank you again for listening in today. If you truly are struggling 
and having suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. They are available 24 hours every day and are anxious to help people in need. If you prefer to text, I would recommend the Crisis Text Line. They provide 24-7 support via text message. They're here for everything from anxiety, depression, and suicide. So even if you don't consider yourself suicidal, please text HOME to 741-741. That's H-O-M-E to 741-741. And simply open up about how you're feeling. Until next time, let's all stick around and help each other find hope and see value in life.